Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afzon, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afzon of Linksfield Shul. We are live today on the 16th of Shvat, the 17th of February, 2023. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you on this day. I hope you are well. I hope this finds you on a good day, on a productive day, on a day that things are working in a good way. Um, <clears throat> I think it was bumping into somebody in the discam this morning that really stimulated this uh, thought that uh, we'll ring about today. It's obviously been on the back of the mind for quite a while. And I would love to hear your thoughts about it. It's it's an open conversation. It's not um, one thing about the Fabringen format, and we've tried to do this throughout the many years that this show has been going on. Is it, I don't see it as prescriptive. It's, it's it's more of a conversation. It's trying to take timeless Torah values and make sense of them um, within the world we live in, and trying to talk about new ways of thinking or old ways of thinking and better ways of thinking of uh, our lives and how we live them. So let me throw this thought out there, and I would love to hear your thoughts. 34519, um, you could also tweet at FM, etc. Remember when COVID started? No, I'm not here to talk about COVID. I'm not here to talk about lockdown. Don't worry. We're done, hopefully forever. Um, but remember, there was this wistfulness, this wishfulness when it started. And that was that when it's all over, and once we've learned what's really important in life, we will be changed individuals, less materialistic, we will um, be grounded on the real stuff. I remember many people saying barmies and batis, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs will never go back to the, at times, ostentatiousness of it. We are going to become so much more grounded. Small stuff are not going to bother us the same way. We're going to be bigger and better versions of ourselves. Remember that? I could recall dozens, if not hundreds of times, that people mentioned it. It was like this feeling, at least the beginning of COVID, in the first few weeks when it was very novel, that at least part of the strategy, you know, people were trying to explain how something could happen and how God could do this to us. And one of the arguments that many people were saying is it was a societal correction. We've gone too materialistic and now COVID is forcing us back into the homes it's forcing us to develop relationships with the people close to us it's making bar mitzvahs on Zoom it is uh, lots of the opportunities for you know materialism and hotels and outings and trips we're taken away, and now we are grounded 
in the best sense of the word, you know, from when you say grounded, you see as a punishment, you're grounded. No, we're, we're grounded. We're back on the ground. We're, we're real people, salt of the earth people. And I remember at the time telling to, to people who told it to me, I said, I'm not a prophet. <laughs> I just, when I say that, it cracks me up because the Talmud says that, um, once prophecy was removed from the world with the destruction of the temple, prophecy was given to idiots. Um, often it's the fools that are running around screaming all these things, and sometimes they do happen to be true. But uh, it's partially a sarcastic statement, partially a true statement, etc. So um, saying I'm not a prophet is me trying to say uh, I hope I'm not a fool. But I just remember thinking... This is not going to change us. We don't get changed this way. Circumstances don't change us. We change us. Us, human beings, when we make a conscious decision decision to change us, we change us. But like, just because we're locked into a house for a year or two years or three years, that's going to make us less materialistic? I'm sure it did it for some. I'm sure. But what do you think? Do you really think that as a society we've become more grounded? You know, there were lots of downsides that came from the lockdown and everything. Obviously, the, you know, the upsides, hopefully lives that were saved, but there were lots of downsides and many discussions being held on the mental health dynamic and the, the education dynamic, the kids that were being held back in multiple ways, et cetera, et cetera. But there were supposed to be upsides as well, and one of those upsides was hopefully a societal correction, a rebalance of sort. It didn't happen. I don't know if that was the intention for it to happen, but there, there was a wistfulness that it would happen. And would you agree with me? I don't think it's changed much. Um, I would say in many ways that we've run back into the world and its pleasures and its spoils and its um, offerings of escapism on levels even higher than before. And instead of it being a moment that could turn us inward and make us really appreciate the important stuff in life, our relationship with God, our relationship with our loved ones, all the stuff that don't cost money, all the stuff that are intangible, all the stuff that are timeless. Instead, we've, many of us, again, it's hard for me to talk for others, but I'll say even myself, I think many of us have um, run back into the world and its offerings with such, with such a gusto without saying, one second, was there no lessons to be learned? Did we really unpack um, the lessons of lockdown in our own lives before we ran head first right back into the materialism. Because let's be honest, and we can continue unpacking this after the song. Materialism does not lead to happiness. And you don't need me to say that. You don't need anyone to say that. We all know it. And we, we know it in, in a very deep sense. We, like, if I pushed you to the wall, and I asked you, do you really think at the end of your life this is what's going to have offered you meaning and purpose? I can't imagine there's anyone that's going to say 
Like that, that was the purpose of life. I'm sure some people, many of us like beautiful things and we, you know, we like the comforts, the creature comforts of life. But I don't believe there's anyone that really believes it's the purpose. And when, when we were going to be pushed to the wall, we could, we know that. But we, we so easily forget it and we get so lost in the trappings of things and status and stuff and physique and, and and let's be honest the stuff that we pretty much share with the animal kingdom the 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 animal pleasures that we often just forget the incredible gift of spirituality versus materialism and the we forget the lessons that we ought to learn not only from lockdown but from every day of our lives that the only thing that really matters that really really matters is our spiritual health our moral health our character our development what kind of mensch we are what do you think what are your thoughts this is 345 34519 uh, to contact us. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and we will now be listening to a beautiful song. It's all about Bitachon and Amuna in Hashem. Um, it was composed by the family of Rabbi Shalom Mordechai Rabashkin after the story he went through. You might be aware a few years ago. It's a story for another time. It's called Emuna Bitachon and Geula on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM and that was Benny Friedman singing Emuna Bitachon Geula, beautiful song. And really the theme of the song is to let go and let God. Really to, uh, to put our trust. Cause again, back to what we were discussing before the song, it's so easy to forget the lessons that we learned. We, we learned some strong, we could have learned some strong lessons. Or rather, let me put it this way, we learned lessons, but not necessarily did we internalize the lessons, right? If I told you during COVID that we realized that we're not in control, but there's something much bigger in control, people nodded their head. Everyone felt that this was much bigger than us, and it wasn't just, you know, a pandemic uh, from China. It was, there was a message. God was talking to us somehow. Many people felt that. And we knew that, but just because you know something doesn't mean you internalize, right? So maybe we knew during COVID, we knew, okay, we better become more spiritual and realize that there's something much bigger than us in this world. But did we internalize? So I guess if I would paraphrase what I was sharing earlier, it's not that we necessarily forgot the lessons we learned. We never really internalized them, right? We Let's think of it this way. Throughout life, we learn lots of lessons. Most of us have, throughout our lives, heard lots of wisdom. There's a lot of common sense. I mean, there's a lot of narishkeit and nonsense also out there. But if you've been alive and you've spoken to some sane people over your life, you've heard a lot of common sense ideas. And had we internalized all the ideas that we, the good ideas that we heard, chances are our lives would be an incredibly higher level of, um, of goodness, of growth, of self 
actualization in the best sense of the word. But most of us, most all of us, go through life, we hear things, and some things click and get internalized and transform us. And the majority of the stuff is noise, right? It's like just watching a TV show and just like all the thing, yeah, whatever, and it's just noise flying over your head. Um, something stays, but on the most part, it's like blah, right? How often do you hear the expression people say, I can't even remember what I ate for breakfast this morning? And most of our lives is like that. By the way, that's why I often um, think when people say, you know, the year's flown by, or the days flown by, or the months flown by, or the weeks flown by, then you have the philosophies that days don't fly by, but weeks do fly by, but months, well, I don't remember the whole philosophy. The point is, the whole idea of fly by, it's, on the one hand, it sounds sweet. I'm not sure if it's supposed to mean that life is good or life's hard. I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. But somehow that expression seems to me to mean my life's empty. Because think about it. If I challenged you right now to tell me one major, or not even major, one thing that happened to you each month in the last 12 months. Okay, fine. That month there was the Rosh Hashanah. And that month was, uh, gosh, what was there? Oh, a wedding. And um, that month we went on holiday. That's right. Um that what happened the other month that's what often happens when you have these conversations that like life flies by but not so much is in a way that it's a compliment or something positive but it's because so much of life is like flyby stuff in other words it's not internalized it's you know in america they have the expression when people say like they're, they're not being taken care of the government like that we're flyby country. People just fly over us from the East Coast to the West Coast, and they often say in the middle, in the middle of America, they say we're flyby country. People fly us over, right? So much of our life is just like fly over. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, what happened today? I have no idea. Just, you know, stuff. I was busy. I don't know, stuff. But if we internalize life, I'm not saying every single moment of every single day has to be internalized. That would be a whole different level. Although I did hear a story once of a, a very pious individual who just before he passed, um, he shared with his loved ones. He says, when I come up to heaven after you know my time, I'll be able to give an accounting to God of every minute of every day for the last 10 years. In other words, I know exactly what I was doing in that minute. Could you imagine living your life like that? There was so much mindfulness, there was so much presence in every moment of this individual's life that he says, I will be able to give an accounting to God of every minute of every day for the last 10 years. I mean, I, I, I try to imagine giving accounting for every minute of today. Uh, so there was a, that, yeah, that minute I was checking WhatsApp and that moment, oh, what was it, a YouTube video? And that moment I was... Uh, Talking to somebody, but I was distracted, right? <laughs> like, how, how would it, you know, giving a, a report of our day look like? It's, it's actually, um, I'm looking for the right word. It's jolting. It's jolting. It's thinking about this idea and thinking about how much of my life is internalized. How many of the lessons of my life are internalized. And going back to where we started the show 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, we all know that materialism is 
empty. That you could have the coolest thing and you could have the biggest uh, status out there. Oh my gosh, he or she is just so cool and they have it. But ultimately it's so empty, right? We know it, but do we know it? It's a famous story about uh, one of the great rabbis who, um, this was about 250 years ago, and the Hasidic movement, the Baal Shem Tov, had just opened the Hasidic movement. And at that time in Eastern Europe, specifically in Ukraine, but around the areas as well, he brought a, a huge focus on mindfulness and prayer and um, getting to know godliness as much as the human being is able to. So the story goes about one uh, one fellow who grew up in a you know in a home um, that didn't really follow the Baal Shem Tov and his students, and at some stage he decides to go check out what's going on, the whole revolution that's going on in that movement. And he goes and he spends two years there, and he really finds himself totally inspired by many of the ideas. And finally he comes home, and uh, in those days leaving your wife for that long was um, quite standard. In many communities, people would go to yeshivot far away. Uh, today I think that would be totally uh, reprehensible. I don't know if the word's reprehensible, but it's totally not okay to just go away for your wife for two years to go study. But uh, in those days, it, it was somehow people would get married 15, 16. They, they were still in their, uh, you know, developing their character and developing the basic, you know, basic identity. And often they would go away for a year or two to really uh, form themselves, usually with their wife's permission, hopefully. And he comes back and his father-in-law looks at him and says, okay, you've disappeared for a long time. You left my daughter alone. Uh, what did you learn at, in Mezrich? I believe he studied at the student of the Baal Shem Tov, the Magid. said, what did you learn in Mezrich? And the fellow looks and he says, I, I learned that there's a God. So the father-in-law looks at him. Now remember, everyone's, it's, it's a religious community. Everyone's, you know, at the time, pretty much the whole Jewish community were, practicing Orthodox Jews, he looks at them and says, are you actually kidding me? You just disappeared for two years to find out there's a God? And he calls the maid, yeah, the Jewish maid, or an orphan, I guess, who was working at home, and he calls the maid, and and this maid was, uh, I'm sure, a very sincere person, but very simple and very ignorant. Um, Wasn't nearly at the, you know, at the scholarly level of the son of He turns to the daughter-in-law and says, do you believe in God? She says, of course. So he looks at the son-in-law and says, no. So what did you go for two years? And the son-in-law, and according to tradition, the son-in-law was the famous Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev, the Kedushas Levi. The Kedushas Levi responds, he says, she says, I know. The word she says she believes in God, and I'm sure she, she means what she says. I don't believe there's a God. I know there's a God. And it's a whole different story. And that, even two years, is not enough. In other words, many of us know lots of life's truths. We know that selfishness is not good. We know that being a spiritual person over a physical person is good. We know that we should take care of our health. 
we know that you know to nourish our mind much more than to nourish our physical pleasures. We know all that stuff. But do we know it? In other words, have we internalized it? That's really the question. Because so much of life is a, so much of life's truths we already know. I don't think there's anything I'm saying today, and I'll be honest, I don't think there's anything most people can say when it comes to life's wisdom. Obviously, knowledge is different. We, you know, if you never study the Talmud, you don't have the knowledge. Um, but most of the basic building blocks of living a good life, most of us know, but we don't know it because we haven't internalized it. A way of thinking about it is like, you know, you eat food and you, you just swallow the food and you don't digest it. It doesn't become part of you. It just causes you a stomach ache. Um, it's not that it doesn't, it's not a healthy way of taking it in. So too with ideas, often we don't, we don't chew them. We just let it go through. We just swallow the idea. Oh, that was a very inspiring talk. What did you hear? I have no idea. I just was, you know, listening to this radio show. The guy was just, Balbing on, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I was saying some stuff, some stuff makes sense, some stuff don't make sense, whatever. Um, what, do you remember anything he said? Nah, what, what did he say? Because right, that's the way many of us go through, yeah, it's like information being thrown at us, blah, blah, like, uh, yeah, whatever. Nice background noise, uh, you know, nice radio voice, Rabbi, I've heard a few times, thanks. I mean, it's a better compliment than saying I have a nice radio face. But, um, yeah, it's a nice voice in the background. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm picking up my kids and taking them to extra murals. But yeah, it's it's a voice in the background, right? But many of us, do we actually internalize? I'm not saying to internalize anything I'm saying. I'm, you know, but if you do hear an idea anywhere from somebody or a book that you know is true, it resonates as true. Do we make an effort to internalize it, to make it part of us, that no longer is it an idea, it's us? You know, there's some people that talk about ethics, and there are some people who are ethical. It's a very different thing. There's some people who have wisdom, and there's some people who are wise. In other words, have we internalized it? Because that's one of the great challenges of life, is not just to be have access to good ideas, but to become the idea, that me and the idea are one, that literally we become part of the truth. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson. We'll be back right after the break. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson, 101.9 Chai FM. And I hope you're well. I would love to hear your thoughts. And I really think that this single message about not only listening to good ideas, but internalizing them, I think is a very, if I may say, I think one of the most important messages we have to hear because we live in a time of a deluge of information. There is so much information. Just think about how many memes you see a day, how many articles you read a day, even inspirational stuff. I'm not even talking about if you're going on TikTok and watching some pathetic dances. I'm saying like even if you're the kind of person that's going on the Internet to look for inspirational stuff, think about how much inspiration you're getting. A very decent amount of inspiration is being thrown. But how much of it is actually changing us? How much of it is actually making us 
wow, grown and changed? I'd argue relatively little. We are inundated with inspiration. There is so much. I mean, think about 20, 30 years ago when you wanted to get inspiration. Where did you get it? I mean, if you had a book in your house that had inspiring quotes, fine, you went. Um, nobody was sending you memes. There was nobody uh, posting on Facebook 5,000 different inspirational quotes a day. Uh, the, you read the newspaper, but I don't think there was a lot of inspiration there. You, you, you In your memories, you maybe remembered in, interesting people you met, etc. Today, you have incredible access to lots of stuff. But one of the stuff you have is information. But I think we're becoming immune to inspiration. Inspiration immunity. It's like, okay, how many great quotes can I, you know, see today? And a lot of them are witty and a lot of them are wise and a lot of them are good and a lot of them are trash, whatever. But the point is, how much of it is internalized? How much of it is me? You know, this week's Torah portion is Yisro. Yitro. And in it, we read about the Ten Commandments. We read about the giving of the Ten Commandments, right? The formative event when millions of Israelites stood around the mountain and God showed up on the mountain and said the words, I am God, your God. You shall have no other God, etc. The first word that God uses is an Egyptian word, actually. It's not, not an original Hebrew. It's Anochi. In Hebrew, it would be Ani. In Hebrew, it's in, in Egyptian, we're told Lashon Mitzri, the commentaries tell us, Anochi, I am God, your God. And the word Anochi is made up of four letters. Aleph, Nun, Chaf, Yud. Anochi. And the Talmud tells us that that re- corresponds, in other words, those are the first letters, what's called a Russian Davis. It's the first letters of the words Anon, Nafshik, Savis, Yehavis. God, I have put myself into these words. God says, I am in these words. You find me in these words. I'm literally in there. Now, obviously, the way God does it is not exactly the way that any one of us can do it, but there's a very powerful message, and that is, are we in our words? Are we in our inspiration? Are we fully one with the ideas we preach? You know, a lot of us will tell our kids, don't fight over nonsense, and then we go fight over nonsense. Don't be petty. And then we're petty. Don't hold grudges, and we hold grudges. Don't blow your fuse and get angry, and then we blow our fuse and, and get angry. Don't have a meltdown, and then we have a meltdown. The, the examples are numerous. Don't be stingy, and then we're stingy. Don't waste your money, then we waste our money, right? <laughs> Most of us are very, very good at just, you know, preaching to our kids the gospel, just the stuff that we know is, is, is true. Most of the stuff is true. Pretty much everything I just said I think is true. But just because I'm saying it, it doesn't, doesn't mean I'm living it. Am I living it? Am I at, am I one with the ideas I believe in? Or are me and my ideas two different people? In other words, there's like this cognitive dissonance, this total separation of power. There's me and my daily decisions, which reflect almost nothing about my values. Or am I my values? It's not I have values. I am those values. And that's 
a huge part of what Judaism about what religion about what Torah is trying to do for us don't just say you believe in something be it right often people can you know will complain and often rightfully so but, but they'll say but you're a religious person how could you behave like that I expected more I just had somebody in my office a few days ago saying I can't believe he treats me like that the man doesn't say hello to me in the morning but he's a religious person in other words I expect more of you what do you don't say hello to me? And, and what he's saying, again, some people use it as an excuse. I, 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 you know, I can accept that. But most people are saying it sincerely. I believe many are. And what they're saying is, one second, didn't you internalize anything you learned? When you opened up the ethics of the fathers and it says, greet everybody with a smile, did that not mean literally? Or was that just a good vart? A good inspiration. You could tell everybody at the Shabbos table that there's a concept of greeting people. Is there a concept of greeting people or do you greet people? I believe I heard it from Rabbi Weinberg from Mizrahi and Amar. You know, there's a, there's a famous, I mean, if you've ever been to the Shabbos table, you know that the custom is that we cover the, the challah. Right? We cover the challah. And the, the, the reasoning goes, because when you make Kiddush, you, you, you honoring the Shabbat, you usually do it on the wine. And wine and bread are both prestigious foods. And yet your, the, the Jewish law tells us to, to prefer the wine. So the challah is so-called getting offended. And so that the challah is not embarrassed that we're prioritizing the wine for the Kiddush over the challah, we cover the challah. Right? I'm, I'm, that's one of the things that almost everybody's heard of. Like there's certain parts of Judaism that somehow like infiltrate and people have heard of it. Fine. So I remember hearing from Robert Weinberg, I believe it was him, about this fellow who comes home and uh, the challah is not covered. And he starts screaming at his wife in front of everybody saying, you're embarrassing the challah lady. And the wife looks at him and says, you idiot. Do you think the challah has feelings? The reason we cover the challah is to teach you how to take the feelings of humans into consideration. In other words, the message of the challah, of covering the challah is, if we're sensitive to the so-called feelings of a piece of bread, how much more so should you be sensitive to the real feelings of humans? And yet you go embarrass your wife because the challah is getting embarrassed. That's the, the ultimate example. I think it's a, one of the ultimate examples of totally missing the boat. The person, what do you mean? It says in Jewish law you have to cover the challah, right? It's clear that it says... It also says, don't embarrass people. It also says, have sense, be sensitive. It also says, rather jump into a furnace than embarrassing another human being. But nah, they forgot about that. That part is not important. The challah has feelings, right? Are we internalizing what we learn? Or are us and our learning two separate things? So we could go and we could steig and we could learn and go to thousands of shiurim and get, you know, totally grow our knowledge. But our character is the same it was, then what has Torah really done for us? Torah is a Torah chayim. It's a Torah of life. The word Torah means lesson. It's a way to live. Torah is supposed to make us be better, not just think better, not just have better ideologies of life, but live better lives. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 
So this is 101.9 Chai FM, and it's time to start wrapping up the show. It's been uh, hopefully um, a good uh, for bringing together. And I'd love your thoughts. Often I don't get the thoughts uh, coming back on the show. I usually get it while shopping at one of the one of the stores in the community. So feel free to approach and share any feedback, positive, negative, uh, constructive, rather. Um, yeah, and let's try to go through life, not stopping to learn a lot, but internalizing more of it, so that when people look at us, they can see that this isn't only a person that preaches, but it's a person that practices. And the only way to do that is through hard work. The only way is hard work, a, a, a huge commitment to to grow. And that's really why I chose this song, the final song for today's show. It's called The Secret, and it just came out about a, a few months ago with a new CD for A.B. Rottenberg, Journeys. We've played quite a few songs from that CD, and this is called... The secret, which pretty much the secret is work hard. Have a great day. Have a great week. And please, God, next week, same time, same place, all the best.